Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Target Field in Minnesota. It's the Cleveland Guardians 4, the Minnesota Twins 2. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field. The thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. And I gotta say, the Guardians put on a pretty entertaining game last night for a game where your starting pitcher leaves after the first inning because of a knee injury. And you think maybe uh, maybe it's all crumbling, all falling apart. They, they actually put together a really competitive baseball game. Luckily, Hunter Gaddis was here. Daniel Norris gets DFA'd again. And uh, Gaddis was called up for this game to give the bullpen a little bit of depth, a little bit of fre- a fresh arm. And he is called into service immediately. Uh, so luckily, he's able to give you three innings of hard, he had to work hard for it. He did. He threw 71 pitches over three innings, but only gave up four hard hit balls. So, uh, does a good job of controlling things. The only run he gives up is via solo home run, which we we've talked about before. Like if if you got to give something up, okay, solo home run. We we can live with it. We can live with solo home runs. In fact, that's how the Twins score both of their runs on the game is via solo home runs. So. Uh, you know, they really survive. They survive a bases loaded situation with Royce Lewis at the plate, which, I mean, did you expect that he would get that opportunity again? Like, what are the odds? After he hit two grand slams in a row, he comes up again. I, I got to be honest with you. Ha- a tiny part of me, a tiny part of me wanted to see history be made. A, you know, look, look, look. I don't know. I don't know if we're gonna make it back into this division race. I don't know if the playoffs are in our future, but uh, it would have been it would have been something. It would have been something if he would have actually hit that grand slam in the first inning. Instead, uh, Gavin Williams gets him to go outside of the strike zone and uh, pop out uh, to uh, to end the inning. But it it would have been a story. If he could have got, of course, he does hit a home run later in the game, but it's a solo home run. So again, we can live with it. So uh, yeah, uh, let's talk uh, top storyline of the game. Is probably Gavin Williams going out in the bullpen, taking over. I mean, I want to talk about this offense because I, I had a lot of fun with this offense. But uh, I, I the the key to this game. So apparently, Gavin Williams when he slips on the mound. In the first inning, you know, he has a very awkward landing um, to the second batter facing Polanco. And apparently he, he, there hasn't really been a great official report, but apparently he tweaked his knee. That's the word. He tweaked his knee. He gave a postgame interview that made it sound like he's going to be fine. It was more, more precautionary that he comes out of the game. And maybe if Hunter Gaddis isn't here, right? Maybe if Hunter Gaddis doesn't get that call up and they don't have a triple-A starting pitcher sitting in the bullpen, maybe he doesn't come out of the game. But they, they figure, okay, Gaddis can give us multiple innings. Uh, it's not worth it to put more stress on Gavin Williams' knee until we can confirm that it's just a, we'll call it tweak. Uh, so, yeah, so he's out. Um, and Hunter Gaddis is in. And Gaddis does fine. Gaddis does absolutely fine. Three innings pitched, four hits, 
One and run, one walk, two strikeouts, and the solo home run given up to Royce Lewis. Um, nothing spectacular on his player breakdown page. Uh, he only three whiffs on 32 swings. It's a 9% whiff rate. Uh, frankly, it's uh, with a 9% whiff rate, it's surprising that he was even get, able to get two strikeouts. Um, he does have 10 called strikes. I will say... Uh, his four-seam fastball, uh, they put a few in play and hit it decently hard at 93.2 average exit velocity. But, but, they f- he threw it 27 times, through the slider 26 times. They fouled 10 off and only put four in play. So, that's that's a good sign there that, you know, not many guys. They are able to make contact with the fastball, but they weren't able to square up that fastball very often. You know, 10 foul balls that shows they're not on it. So uh, he survives his three innings. Look, uh, Geddes, I don't know. I Geddes is not going to make it look pretty. I, I don't know what the future is for Hunter Geddes, but he gets through this. He does good work on this day. So let's 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 support him for the day at least. Uh, he was a huge help out of the bullpen. With a lot of high fastballs and actually attacking the strike zone, the strike zone with that slider. A lot of sliders in the strike zone. Um, didn't really seem to have great command of the changeup or the curveball, uh, which he threw a couple of times. Actually, no command of the curveball. There were a few that just didn't even make it to the strike zone. That flew way up, way up to the arm side uh, that he had, I mean, no command on. Uh, so, uh, yeah. But the, the fastball and the slider combo, those two pitches, he could at least control. So a good job by him of navigating um, through this Twins lineup. I don't remember him really getting into any super sticky situations. Uh, he walked Gallo in the second, but got three flyouts to get out of that inning. Um, in the uh, third inning, he does give up a double to Kepler, but strikes out Carlos Correa and then gets a flyout from Matt Walner. And then uh, gives up the solo home run to Royce Lewis to start the fourth. But then uh, this was the situation. Okay, this was the tough one he got out of. He did give up back-to-back singles to Michael Michael Taylor and then uh, Edward Edward Julian to flip over the lineup. Uh, Julian, their leadoff hitter there. I believe Taylor was going on the pitch, so it put runners on the corner for Polanco, who worked a really long at bat. Uh, let's go to this matchup here. Because this was probably the moment for Hunter Gaddis. Like, this this was the at-bat. He was dripping with sweat after this one. Uh, Polanco works a nine-pitch at-bat. And give Gaddis credit here. He never slips back into the middle of the plate. Everything is around the edges. He gets him to chase a slider down and add his knees off the plate for strike one. He then gets a forcing fastball on the outside edge for strike two. So now Polanco's got to go into protect mode. So he goes back to that inside slider. The same pitch he got him to swing through. This time he fouls it off. Uh, he lays off a four-seam fastball high to make it a two, uh, one-two count. Uh, fouls off a four-seam fastball at the top of the zone, protecting. Uh, then takes a then the curveball that he couldn't get command on. Then a curveball way high. Uh, actually, lucky he didn't throw this one to the backstop. Um, so uh, makes it a 2-2 count. He's fouling off more pitches here. Another slider down at the knees that he fouls off. Uh, Polanco, I mean, 
he couldn't get one by Polanco. He couldn't at this point. He was just in foul, you know, in protect mode, fouling everything off. It felt like Polanco could have stood up there all day hitting souvenirs into the stands for Twins fans. Um, then a changeup away that he lays off, doesn't chase that one, and then finally comes with a four-seam fastball. Middle in, frankly, this is the best pitch Polanco got the entire at-bat. A fastball middle in on the, on the plate, but uh, in tight along that uh, glove edge of the plate, and he pops out. He pops it up to Jose Ramirez in foul territory, um, and they get out of the inning. So a huge battle between Hunter Gaddis and Jorge Polanco there, and Gaddis, I'm going to say survives. I Sure, he wins, but he survived against Polanco because Polanco was in contact mode. Like he, he was not going to swing and miss again. Anything near the strike zone, he was at least going to foul off. Um, so yeah, so, so that's Gaddis's big battle. That's, that's his final batter he would face on the day. And then Sam Hedges would come in and my God, maybe he's the top storyline of the game because he gives you two innings of work. He does give up two hits. Um, I know at least one of them was to a lefty, uh, but he gets you four strikeouts over two innings and shuts down the Minnesota twins in uh, a really impressive fashion. I mean, they don't touch his fastball. They don't touch his curveball. They don't put one of those pitches in play. He's got a 75% whiff rate on his four-seam fastball. Three whiffs on four swings. Add in three called strikes. It's a 55 CSW on his fastball. He's got a a 44% whiff rate on the day and a 41% CSW over his two innings. Super impressed with Sam Hedges. Um... Yeah, I mean, just absolutely uh, attacking with that fastball and then nailing, nailing the bottom of the strike zone with that curveball. And uh, when we look at the pitches that got him strikeouts, two actually looking strikeouts. Uh, He locks up Christian Vasquez with just a nasty curveball right at the knees to end the fifth inning. He had also gotten Carlos Correa staring at a fastball at the knees, paints the bottom of the strike zone on a 2-2 count to strike him out in that fifth inning. Uh, it wasn't a strikeout, but... Uh, oh, sorry, it was. It was. Uh, he got Donovan Solano to chase a curveball just below the knees that he couldn't handle on a 1-2 count in the sixth inning. And then on a 2-2 count, goes high on Michael Taylor and blows a 95.9 mile per hour fastball by him at the top of the strike zone. So absolutely painting the edges of the strike zone here. Maybe getting him to go just, uh, the two swinging strikeouts, he gets him to go just outside of the strike zone here and chase two of his pitches. Gets it done his way. So uh, huge, huge strikeouts for Sam Hedges. Two big innings. Uh, He did give up two singles in that fifth inning. But a flyout from Royce Lewis and then the strikeout of Christian Vasquez. So he was in a little bit of trouble in the fifth, but handles it without giving up a run. And then two strikeouts before Julian grounds out to end things in the sixth inning. So masterful job by Sam Hedges there of giving you two innings of work. And frankly, looking at Hedges' month, my God. Do you know he hasn't given up a run for the entire month of August? He's got a zero ERA for the month of August in 13 appearances now. I mean, come on. He's got he's to be the relief pitcher of the month for the month of August, right? Zero ERA 
Uh, 19 strikeouts to four walks. Unbelievable. Now, for the month of July, he had a 14.63 ERA. What? 14.63 ERA. In 10 appearances, in eight innings pitched in July, he gave up 13 earned runs. But he hasn't given up an earned run since July 23rd. So his last, uh, there was one scoreless appearance to end July, and then the 13th. So his last 14 appearances, he has not given up an earned run. Wow. Talk about turning your season around. That That is actually impressive. He's lowered his ERA. When he gave up those runs July 23rd to uh, Philadelphia, it was at 6.75. And he's got it down to 4.43. So almost two points, he's, more than two points, he shaved off his ERA. Wow. Uh, it's, talk about turning your season around. I mean, Hentges, at the end of July there, he... I, is he looking at maybe getting demoted? I mean, he's in real, real trouble there. And uh, wow, turns it around. Then Stefan comes in ultra-efficient. Eight pitches to get out of the uh, seventh inning despite a walk. He kind of flips the script there and uses Sandlin in the eighth, who gets out of it in six pitches. And then Emmanuel Classe, despite giving up a solo home run to Michael Taylor, who will do that. Taylor will do that. He will... Pretty much strike out or hit home runs. I mean, Michael Taylor's hitting 228, but he's got uh, 20 home runs on the season. Uh, he gets a high, hard cutter uh, that's up and away and drives it out to right field. So uh, good job by Michael Taylor there, I guess. But then Class A shuts it down after that uh, and gets uh, gets the job done for the save in the ninth inning. So great pitching all around from Cleveland. On a game where your starter goes one inning. All right, let's talk about the offensive side of things because there's some things going on. There's some things to like. There's some things not to like. The things to like are Bo Naylor and Gabriel Arias. These guys have turned things around as of late. Bo Naylor gets hits in his first two at-bats, including a solo home run to kick off the scoring in the second inning. Uh, What were the numbers on this home run? Uh, he would come up with two outs and hit one 98.3 miles per hour, 37-degree launch angle, 388 feet, 30 out of 30 ballparks. This would be a home run. It was his third home run in his third start in a row, which hasn't been done by a rookie. I believe the, the stat that we heard was it hasn't been done by a rookie since Manny Ramirez. Three starts in a row with a home run uh, for Bo Naylor. So talk about someone who is absolutely locked in. And he is he is kind of turning things around right now. Uh, he's got that batting average going up. His uh, his last 15 games, it's only a 233 batting average, but the OPS and the slugging are really nice. The OPS is up over 800, almost uh, over 850. Now, his last seven games, the batting average is over 300. The OPS is up over 1,100, 1,164 OPS over the last seven games. So that's someone who in his last seven games has really started to hit their stride with the three home runs, the 300 batting average, and he's brought that batting average up a few points. He's no longer hitting south of 200. Speaking of that, Gabriel Arias, same thing, no longer hitting below 200. Uh, Over his last seven games, he's hitting 296. He's got the OPS at eight over 800, about 840. 
Um, so yeah, so he's someone who's been turning things around recently and, uh, doesn't have the home runs, but he has one home run over his last seven games. But I know he's got a bunch of doubles in that time frame. And uh, he gets uh, another double in this game. Now, unfortunately, they flipped the lineup around and they had Arias batting last in the lineup. So Bo Naylor's is a solo home run. Gabriel Arias doubles after him. And then Quan can't get him in. He grounds out to end the inning. But it's nice to see those two guys turning things around offensively. It is going to be so key for the future of the Cleveland Guardians for Bo and Gabriel Arias to turn things around, to 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 get to the hitters that the scouts believed they were, right? The reason we drafted them or traded for them, if they develop into that guy, look out. It could be, it could be a big offense for the Cleveland Guardians if those guys do. And, uh, I mean, you see it in Bo Naylor right now. Like, he le- he is a legitimate threat offensively right now. Uh, usually, you know, usually with these offensive guys, when they get to the next level, it they struggle. They struggle, and it takes them to come back next season at that level to really find their stride. Bo Naylor might be doing that in season, right? If I mean, if he can stay at this rate, hitting at this I know he's not going to homer in every game he starts, but if he can stay hitting at this rate, through uh, you know a 300 hitter through September, I mean you're going to be super super impressed with this guy. Plus his brother is at a rehab start right now. Uh, I think played decently down in Akron, I want to say, and he could be coming back soon. So we could have the Naylor brothers bashing together. Like that'd be a lot of fun. Uh, so they get the scoring going in the second inning thanks to Bo Naylor's solo home run, and then. There's some things to love about the next few innings, and there's some things to be really concerned about. Like the fact that they uh, start off with a single and a double from Ramirez and Cole Calhoun, and then Ramon Laureano strikes out, Andres Jimenez strikes out. It would be a wild pitch uh, to uh, Will Brennan that would finally bring Jose Ramirez in to score. So they can't get it done with a hit. Will Brennan would walk. And then uh, Oscar Gonzalez would ground out to end the threat. So they they get three guys on base, and they can only come uh, across the plate via a wild pitch uh, to score the second run of the game. So a little bit concerning there. Left some guys on base. Then in the fourth inning, they load the bases to start the inning. Bo Naylor with a single. Gabriel Arias walks behind him. Quan with a single to load the bases. Then Ramirez uh, hits into a force out, taps it back to the pitcher weakly, um, and they get the out at home, but Ramirez beats it out uh, the back end, which would be very important, would beat out the throw to first. Um, so it goes as a force out, no run score, and then Cole Calhoun grounds out so weakly to first base that they can't make a play home. Their only play is to go and tap uh, first base and get them out at first base. And so a run does come across the score uh, on a weak, weak ground out from Cole Calhoun. So bases loaded. You've got your your two best hit. I can't believe I'm saying this with Cole Calhoun, but your two best hitters in the lineup up with the bases loaded. You flip the lineup over for the top of the order, and they can't get it done. Uh, a, a weak ground out at least gets one run home. And then Ramon Laureano strikes out on a pitch that was way too high. Way too high. I mean, he the look on his face, it was a delayed call by the umpire. There was no way this pitch should have struck out Ramon Laureano. Terrible call. 
And uh, we've seen some terrible calls over the last few days. Uh, so they end the threat right there. So yeah, so you score in three consecutive innings. You you, you take a three nothing lead. They would answer back. Royce Lewis would get his solo home run in the bottom of the fourth, so make it a three one game. But it should have been so much more. It should have been so much more than that. I so many guys had opportunities. Um, so yeah, so uh, the team ends up going two for fifteen with runners in scoring position. Which and they leave ten on base, which is just—it's too many. It's just too many. Uh, meanwhile, the Minnesota Twins, by the way, just while we're talking about it, went zero for nine with runners in scoring position. They leave nine on base, so at least you did a good job doing the same thing to Minnesota. But it's too many guys left on base, way too many. Now the seventh inning is fun because. Uh, I don't know if the pitcher could hear uh, or the Minnesota Twins could hear Rick Manning heckling them, but uh, Rick Manning basically, I don't know, talks the Guardians into another run, it felt like. So after Ramon Laureano with a one-out single, Jimenez pops out, pops it up on the infield, 74-degree launch angle. It's just funny to see that number. And they let the ball drop. Correa lets the ball drop, thinking, oh, I'll do some... I'll do a funky, uh, you know, double play or something like that. And uh, no, Jimenez was running. He, he was already at first base. So they just get Ramon Laureano forced out at second. So basically they swap Ramon Laureano for Andres Jimenez. And Rick Manning is going off. He's like, why would you do that? Jimenez is such a better space stealer. He's such a better runner. Like, you have to make him pay for that, Jimenez. You got to. You got to go steal second base. Sure enough, goes and steals second base. He's in there... Uh, uh, basically, uh, the throw was no contest. Like, he was in there. Uh, so he steals second base, and then Will Brennan makes him pay by singling uh, and driving in Jimenez to score. So a nice a line drive single from Will Brennan. Doesn't have to hit it that hard. 84.4 mile per hour exit velocity, but a nice 13-degree launch angle. A nice line drive single that brings in Andres Jimenez to score. So we add an insurance run there in the uh, seventh inning because the Twins were screwing around on the infield so it's nice to see them i mean it's literally what rick manning was calling for and it all comes to fruition he steals second and then brennan gets the hit and drives him in so a pretty weird situation there in the seventh inning but that is your offense for your cleveland guardians so uh, pretty much everybody except oscar gonzalez finds a way to contribute somehow gonzalez has a terrible day at the plate he comes up with runners on constantly has two strikeouts there was one moment where he doesn't, he's got two strikes on him, and he doesn't chase a slider down and away, and I was all ready to come on and like celebrate Oscar Gonzalez not chasing a pitch down and away with you, and then he goes and chases a high fastball, and they blow a fastball by him, and he swings through it. So I'm like, well, okay, if he's not chasing a slider, he's, he's swinging through fastballs. So uh, Gonzalez continues to be a struggle at the plate. You know, I talked about their numbers recently. Uh, let's see how bad it's been for Oscar Gonzalez recently. Uh, over his last seven games, he's hitting 154 with an OPS at 462. 462. Uh, it's, it's terrible. It's not good enough from Oscar Gonzalez. I mean, this this guy is in real danger of finding himself in the same place, you know, Fermil Reyes and Bobby Bradley have found themselves in. Not on this team anymore. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's been a real struggle watching Oscar Gonzalez. I want him to keep getting at-bats because I want him to find it. 
I want him to find it. Like, he seems like a good kid. And we all love the SpongeBob theme song. And we all love those big moments in the playoffs last year. I want Oscar Gonzalez to find it. It just doesn't look like he's got it at all. He looks completely lost. Uh, Whereas Naylor and Arias are turning it around and starting to look competent and starting to look like they get it. Right? Arias is double, by the way, another one to right center field. Off the wall out there. So he's driving the ball the opposite way with authority. Uh, So yeah, great offensive day. I, I had fun with this game. I had a lot of fun with this game. Uh, it was a good night for your Guardians. All right. Uh, that's all my thoughts. MVP on the day. I, you know, he wasn't the he wasn't the most impressive, but just because of the situation. Like Sam Hedges was a much more impressive pitcher on the day, but because of the situation, Hunter Geddes has to take home MVP on the day. I'm sorry. I know there were a lot of great moments offensively. Uh, Bo Naylor, great game. Quan had three hits, by the way. He doesn't. He never comes across to score, but he had three hits on the day. Uh, but Hunter Gaddis was your most valuable member of the day. I, we do not survive this game without him coming in and giving you that relief of Gavin Williams. So uh, MVP on the day goes to Hunter Gaddis. Now, I told you we were going to follow up on the game one of this series, and Hunter Wendelstadt and his terrible umpiring and uh it's surprising it's surprising i told you they have this thing the umpire scorecard that usually comes out around 10 ish 10 o'clock ish the next day and we thought hunter wendelstadt was absolutely blowing calls for um uh for our pitching and it turns out he actually called the game they scored it that his bad calls actually favored cleveland by plus 0.27 runs. So actually his screw-ups favored Cleveland just slightly more than they favored Minnesota. Now with that said, his called strike accuracy um, was uh, 94%. So he wasn't too bad on the called strikes. It was the called ball accuracy. So things that he called a ball that should have been strikes... Uh, he missed nine calls there, and I felt like a lot of those went against Cleveland. Um, it's a 92% accuracy rate on that, which the league averages 97%. The league does a much better job of calling balls correctly than it does strikes. The league average on called strike accuracy is 88%. So it shows you right there that umpires tend to tend to favor the hitters more a little bit than the pitchers. Um, so I guess... I don't know, but then you look at the comments, and uh, it's just, it's so funny, the comments. Uh, it seemed worse than this. Umpire scorecard is losing credibility to me now. Uh, the math doesn't add up. Uh, Cleveland fans swore this was going to be plus seven for the Twins. Uh, so every everybody in the comments kind of feels like Cleveland got screwed. Uh, Curry and Norris got screwed. Uh, this legit doesn't make any sense. They missed three or four strikeout calls for Curry and Norris that ended up leading to seven runs for the Minnesota Twins. So if he would have gotten some of those strikes at the bottom of the strike zone correctly, instead he calls them balls, if he would have called them correctly strikes, they actually would have gotten out of some innings, and yeah, Curry and Norris wouldn't have given up seven runs. So uh, I, I don't know. So the um scorecard isn't exactly what we thought. I will say about Hunter Wendelstadt, they have his percentile rankings. 
And in the, for as far as it's terrible, as far as accuracy goes, he's in the 21st percentile. Uh, as far as consistency goes, he is in the first percentile. He is the most inconsistent umpire in all of baseball, Hunter Wendelstadt. I can't believe they have that data. So, uh, so yeah, it, it, I told you I would look that up for you, and it was pretty terrible. Um, we got some emails. Jeff in uh, Columbus, Jeff with a G. He said, uh, "What's the word on Big Rig Gavin Williams? Any update? You know, I haven't I haven't heard an official update on like how if he's going to be out for any amount of time. But it did seem like in the post game interview that he he didn't seem like he was going to be out for a long time. It just seemed like the knee didn't feel good last night, but nothing was like broken on him. So uh, that seems good." Uh, he says MVP to Bo Naylor, Hunter Gaddis, the bullpen at large. Nah, we went with Hunter Gaddis. What a game to survive. Arias looks good to me, and even though Jimenez hasn't been hitting, he is a gold glove wonder. So I think uh, Jeff with a G is looking at an Arias Jimenez middle infield for next year. No more home runs for Royce Lewis, please. He says, yeah, Royce Lewis is going to be a problem against us. Uh, let's get this next win. Uh, yeah, Jeff, let's go win the series. We have a chance to win another series. So that's all we can do. Keep moving forward uh, with this season and and see where we are at the end of September with it. Uh, so thank you for the email, Jeff. Marlon checks in. It was a nice bounce back win tonight, especially after Big Rig's premature exit. The bullpen was sensational, and I tip my hat off to them for their effort. Gaddis did something Norris failed to do last night, which was keep the team in the game and give them a chance. True, he gave up a solo homer, but it was only one run, no harm, no foul. He was unsung hero of the game. Yeah, solo home runs. We can, we can live with one solo home run. Now, well, wasn't there a game where we gave up like three or four solo home runs and it got a little out of hand at some point in the season? But yeah, we can live with one. He said, "Good on Tito for pulling Big Rig and possibly saving him from himself. I'm sure he wanted to stay in there, but he's got a bright future ahead of him and needs to make sure he's 100. percent Plus, I don't want him forming any bad habits to compensate for an injury." He might have. So to kind of wrap things up, Marlon brings up this piece of news. So the Angels are waving. Have you heard this? MLB news here. Marlon's bringing it to our attention. The Angels are waving the white flag for the season, and they've placed the following players on irrevocable waivers. Lucas Giolito, Ronaldo Lopez, Hunter Renfro, Matt Moore, and Randall Gritchick. Other players put on waivers are Carlos Cookie Carrasco, Harrison Bader, Mike Clevenger, Jose Cisnero, any chance we see the Guardians claim a couple of these guys, especially in lieu of Big Rig's injury? Personally, I would love to see them claim Renfo and demote Oscar Gonzalez and perhaps straw to Columbus. I wonder if they will bring Thor or Cookie back if Big Rig needs an IL stint. Yeah, there, again, there's no official update on Gavin Williams. So uh, I don't know. They, they, you know, they just cut Thor because they knew Kyle Quantrill was coming back. Uh, but if he does need two weeks uh, to let that knee calm down, uh, will we need to bring in another veteran to eat some innings in the place of that? Bringing Car- uh, Carrasco back, I get it. I-, I think everybody would love to see Carlos Carrasco come back just just to, I don't know, I, he might not want to wrap up his career, but it looks like their career is coming to an end for Carlos Carrasco. And it, it just, he was such an such an emotionally impactful player on this team, such a part of the core for so long. That you know, it would be nice to see him retire as a you know in Cleveland with a Cleveland uniform on. I I don't know what his future holds uh, for Carrasco. Um, Hunter Renfro is someone that Marlon has brought up many times to me, and yeah, him and Grichik 
uh, both make sense for the Guardians to go after. Like they they need to find a right fielder, and if it's and those guys have had success in the past, and what can you do with them here? And they, I mean, they went out and got Loriano, so you know they're they're searching for anyone who can help them in the outfield. I I'm down with this. Go go ahead, bring in Hunter Renfo or Randall Gretchik, whichever one you like, and uh, demote Oscar Gonzalez. Go for it. Uh, Gonzalez, it's not working here. He, he If he can make it work at AAA, maybe we can bring him back. But uh, he, it's d- not working here. So I am down with going out and getting those guys. So, uh, all right. Let's wrap things up. Uh, thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Thank you for the emails, Marlon and Jeff with a G. Uh, the final again from Target Field. It's the Guardians for the Twins 2. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. And thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.